1: Good morning ladies and gentlemen and thank you for standing by welcome to the elta gas third quarter 2021 financial results conference call my name is kelsey and i'll be your operator for today's call all lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise if you have any difficulties hearing the conference please press star then zero for operator assistance at any time after the speaker's remarks there will be a question and answer session as a reminder, this conference call is being broadcast live on the Internet and recorded. I would now like to turn the conference call over to Adam McKnight, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. McKnight.
2: Thank you, Kelsey, and good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for Gas' third quarter 2021 financial results conference call. Speaking on the call this morning will be Randy Crawford, President and Chief Executive Officer, James Harbalis. Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, and we're also joined here this morning by Randy Toon, Executive Vice President and President of our Midstream Business, Lou Jenkins, Executive Vice President and President of our Utilities Business, and John Morrison, Senior Vice President, to Investor Relations and Corporate Development. In addition to the uh, third quarter press release, financial statements, and MD&A that were released earlier today, we've also published a third quarter earnings summary presentation. This presentation walks through the quarter and highlights some of the key variances and non-recurring items that we would assume will be helpful for the market to understand, and can be found on our website under the Events and Presentation section. As always, today's prepared remarks will be followed by an analyst question and answer period, and I'll remind everyone that we will be available after the call for any follow-up questions that you might have. We will proceed on the basis that everyone has taken the opportunity to review the press release and our third quarter results. As for the structure of the call, we'll start with Randy Crawford providing some comments on our third quarter financial performance and progress on our strategic priorities, followed by James Harbelis providing a more detailed walkthrough of our financial results, near-term outlook, and guidance, and then we'll leave plenty of time at the end for questions. Before we begin. We'll also remind everyone that we will refer to forward-looking information in today's call. This information is subject to certain risks and uncertainties as outlined in the forward-looking information disclosure on slide 2 of our investor presentation, which can be found on our website and more fully within our public disclosure filings on both the EDGAR and CR systems. And with that, I'll now turn the call over to Randy. Thank
3: you, Adam, and good morning, everyone. AltaGas delivered strong third-quarter results with normalized EBITDA growth of 15% year-over-year and FFO growth of over 50% year-over-year, which reflects the durability of our diversified platform. Both the principal businesses executed well on major initiatives, and we continue to advance our opportunity set for our global export and utility businesses. Building on progress made in the first half of the year, we are well-positioned to meet our overall objectives for 2021 and beyond. Heading into the fourth quarter, we are well positioned to achieve the high end of our guidance range and we remain on target to reduce our net debt to normalized EBITDA ratio by up to 5.5 times over the course of the year. At our midstream business, EBITDA increased approximately 60% versus the prior year comparable period, reflecting contributions from continued investment in our global export platform. Most notably, during this quarter, we achieved record liquefied petroleum gas export volumes that averaged approximately 105,000 barrels a day to Asia. The scaling of our platform also benefited our integrated network, resulting in an 11% year-over-year increase in gathering and processing volume and a 15% year-over-year increase in fractionation and liquids handling. Our expanded midstream business continues to match our strong expectations as we remain steadfast in building a world-class platform that revolves around global exports. We continue to leverage our industry-leading LPG export capabilities to realize significant operational and commercial synergies and benefit from implementing best practices across the combined platforms. In the third quarter, we shipped a record 18 BLGCs of North American propane and butane to markets in Asia. On average, RIPIT shipped over 58,000 barrels a day of propane in the third quarter setting a record for that terminal. At Ferndale, we exported over 42,000 barrels a day of combined butane and propane across nine shifts. This performance is a testament to the experience and hard work of our combined midstream teams and their ability to improve upon logistics to optimize the supply chain between the two facilities. In mid-October, we filed an application with the Canada Energy Regulator for a 25-year butane export license for up to 40,000 barrels a day of additional exports. This is a proactive step to ensure Gas and our partners are well-positioned to meet the needs of our customers on a long-term basis by continuing to connect the growing LPG production in Western Canada to global markets. Our well-positioned gas processing and fractionation business, as I mentioned, continues to realize high single-digit to double-digit volume growth. Inlet gas processing volumes were up 11% year over year, and fractionation and liquids handling volume increased 15% year over year in the third quarter. This strong growth highlights the strategic positioning of our Montney-focused midstream platforms and our alignment with leading well-capitalized producers who continue to execute long-term development plans in the basin. The utilities segment, excluding the one-time pension accounting adjustment in the third quarter of 2020 and the unfavorable impact of the Canadian U.S. dollar exchange rate, achieved normalized EBITDA increase of five million in U.S. dollar terms. The results in a seasonally low throughput quarter reflect the strong execution of our strategic plan and leave us in a position to close the under-earning gap and achieve our allowed return in 2022. During the quarter, we continue to execute on the company's various accelerated pipeline replacement programs with an ongoing focus on replacing aging infrastructure to improve the safety and reliability of the system. investment during the quarter brought the year-to-date 2021 capital spend on accelerated investment to a Canadian $242 million. Over time, these investments should reduce operating costs and emissions through leak reduction and drive better customer, environmental, and societal outcomes. Turning the headlines of natural gas shortages in Europe and the increased demand coming from Asia. We have seen a significant run-up, both globally and domestically, of natural gas prices. As a result, heading into 2021 and 2022 heating season, natural gas prices are meaningful ahead of recent years. Fortunately, for this upcoming winter, Alta Gas Utilities' winter season supply plan is designed to source slightly more than 50 percent of normal winter, winter gas throughput volumes from contracted storage services. Given that the bulk of the company's storage was filled at much lower non-heating season prices, we expect that this position will partially shelter customers from some of the significant price moves that we are seeing and are expected in the market in the next few months. The energy transition is upon us and will have impacts across the energy value chain. However, as evidenced by the current global energy shortage and cascading negative pricing effects that are taking place across the world. We continue to believe in the role, benefits, and reliability that responsibly sourced natural gas will provide to our customers as we embrace the energy transition. Our view on the transition is that natural gas and LPGs will remain critical pieces of the long-term global energy picture. We view Gas role to be focused on reducing emissions across our operations and investing in energy evolution opportunities that leverage our unique asset base and further reduce the environmental footprint of our operations and those around us. We will also continue to advance initiatives around renewable natural gas and hydrogen. On the latter, we are pleased that the Maryland Public Service Commission approved our first RNG project, a partnership between WGL and Washington Suburban Sanitary Commission to transform sewage waste into renewable energy. This is our first foray into projects of this type, and it will enable Gas to refine and learn more about this promising technology so that we can identify other potential projects to expand the use of RNG in the years ahead. Through this evolution, we will advocate for our customers' long-term interests with a focus on safety, reliability, and affordability. And with that, I will turn the call over to James to review the financial results in more detail.
4: Thank you, Randy, and good morning, everyone. As Randy mentioned, we are pleased with the results that we delivered in the third quarter, with continued execution on Gas's long-term Strategic plan positioning the company to drive further long-term stakeholder value creation. Normalized ETS of $0.02 in the third quarter of 2021 compared to $0.04 in the third quarter of 2020 positions Altigas well to deliver on 2021 financial guidance. Normalized FFO per share of $0.61 in the third quarter of 21 compared to $0.40 in the third quarter of 2020 representing 53% year-over-year growth and continues to provide the foundation for increased returns of capital to shareholders and to fund ongoing organic expansion. Normalized EBITDA of $244 million in the third quarter of 2021 compared to $213 million in the third quarter of 2020, representing 15% year-over-year growth. Results reflected strong execution across the entire platform, particularly within the midstream segment, which demonstrated robust growth across the business. Normalized midstream in was $186 million in the third quarter of 2021, compared to $114 million in the third quarter of 2020, representing a 63% year-over-year increase. Midstream results were positively impacted by approximately $20 million this quarter as a result of revenue recognized for an LPG export cargo that was loaded at the end of the third quarter at spot prices, but the offsetting hedge loss will not be realized until delivery at the destination point in the fourth quarter. As a result of this timing-related hedging loss, our EBITDA for Q3 2021 is roughly $20 million higher than we anticipated, and we would therefore expect a commensurate offset to the normalized EBITDA reported for the fourth quarter, as it effectively had the impact of pulling revenue forward one quarter. Normalized EBITDA from our global exports business of $106 million increased $78 million year-over-year, driven by the petrogas acquisition and record global export volumes from our two export facilities. Due to the previously mentioned timing-related hedging loss, Global Exports EBITDA was approximately $20 million higher in the quarter. Our processing and fractionation business continues to be supported by strong fundamentals for natural gas and long-term Motany development plans, as gas processing volumes were up 11% year-over-year, while fractionation and liquids handling was up 15% year-over-year. Other factors impacting midstream normalized EBITDA in the third quarter included higher revenue associated with the Harmattan cogeneration facility due to favorable Alberta power prices offset by no AFUDC recognized for MVT as well as a lower contribution for, from Gordondale due to the Blend and Extend contract taking effect in 2021. We continue to actively de-risk the midstream platform and reduce commodity price exposure and volatility where appropriate. In the third quarter, approximately 94% of our frack exposed volumes were hedged. We also remain well hedged through the balance of the year with approximately 66% of fourth quarter global export volumes told or collectively hedged. This includes an average FEI to North American financial hedge price of approximately $12.64 US per barrel for both propane and butane. We also have 95% of our expected frac exposed volumes hedged in the fourth quarter at 2570. Normalized utilities EBITDA of 62 million in the third quarter of 2021, compared to 80 million in the third quarter of 2020. There was a $17 million pension accounting change that was realized in the third quarter of 2020 that was not present this quarter, while the unfavorable move in the Canadian to US dollar foreign exchange rate drove a further $4 million year over year decrease Compared to the performance in the third quarter 2020. WGL reported normalized EBITDA of 13 million compared to 32 million in Q3 2020. In addition to the previously mentioned pension accounting impact, the quarter included warmer weather in DC, a $4 million negative impact from foreign exchange, which was partially offset by the positive impact of Maryland and DC rate cases and continued ARP investments. DEMCO and NSAR's combined normalized EBITDA was $25 million in the third quarter, down $3 million from the same period last year due to warmer weather in Michigan, partially offset by colder weather in Alaska, and slightly higher one-time costs and foreign exchange. And finally, normalized EBITDA from the retail energy marketing business was $23 million in the quarter, an increase of $3 million year-over-year, driven by higher gas margins due to favorable pricing and the timing of certain in-the-money hedge settlements in Q3 partially offset by lower power margins. The corporate and other segment reported a normalized EBITDA loss of $4 million compared to $19 million earned in the same quarter of 2020. The $23 million year-over-year decrease was driven by the combination of higher expenses related to employee incentive plans as a result of AltaGas's rising share price over the course of 2021, the monetization of Pomona energy storage and Rip and Energy Inc. in the third quarter of 2020 and the absence of recoveries related to the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy that were present in the third quarter of 2020. Appreciation amortization expense for the third quarter of 2021 was $111 million, compared to $108 million for the same quarter in 2020. The increase was mainly due to new assets placed in service and the consolidation of the petrogas assets. Interest expense of $69 million was up slightly over last year's comparable period of $65 million as a result of modestly higher average debt balances partially offset by lower average interest rates and a lower U.S. dollar to Canadian dollar exchange rate. Looking ahead, Altagas continues to be focused on many of the same priorities the company has over the past two and a half years. This includes executing on our long-term corporate strategy of building a diversified platform that operates long-life energy infrastructure assets that are positioned to provide resilient and durable value for the company's stakeholders. AltaGas continues to focus on delivering durable and growing EPS and FFO per share while targeting lower leverage ratios and increasing margins of safety within the business over time. This strategy should support steady dividend growth and provide the opportunity for ongoing capital appreciation for its long-term shareholders. AltaGas is reiterating its 2021 increased guidance ranges that were provided in April 2021, which include normalized EPS guidance is 165 to 180 per share, 2021 normalized EBITDA guidance is $1.475 billion to $1.525 billion. and Altagas's 2021 capital expenditure plan is being reduced from $910 million to $850 million. The largest drivers for the reduction are lower forecasted utility spend, which is partly driven by a stronger Canadian US dollar exchange rate, which reduces the cost of capital expenditures in Canadian dollar terms. And select midstream spending is now expected to roll over into early 2022 instead of 2021. The capital expenditures program remains heavily weighted towards a lower risk utilities business, and it's comprised primarily of ARP and system betterment projects that are anticipated to deliver stable rate-based growth, and strong risk-adjusted returns. These investments are are directed at delivering improved long-term customer safety and environmental outcomes. Finally, we are looking forward to hosting our first Investor Day over the past five years, which will be held virtually on December 15. More details on this event will follow in the next few days. That concludes our prepared remarks and we would be happy to turn it over to the operator for Q&A. Operator?
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now conduct the analyst question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, press the star, then with the one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. There will be a brief pause while we comply the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Rob Hope from Scotiabank. Please go ahead.
5: Uh,
6: Morning, everyone. Um, First question is just on the 2021 guidance and you're reiterating kind of the upper end of the band. Now, just taking a look at Q4, are there anything specifically we should watch out for just given the strong results year to date? And I guess aside from that $20 million uh, LPG uh, headwind in Q4, it seems that uh, the top end of the range is relatively conservative unless there's some other things that uh, are settling out in
4: Q4. Rob, it's uh, James here. Yeah, look, I, I think that when the, when you look at Q4 of uh, 2020 uh, and, and you try to extrapolate that into Q4 2021, there's a few things that uh, contributed to 2020 results that are not going to repeat in uh, Q4 of 2021. So you touched on, obviously, the hedge loss, which has already been telegraphed. But we had AFUDC that we were recording on MVP in Q4 of 2020 that's not contributing anything in 2021. Uh, We obviously sold the U.S. storage transportation business. That that contributed in in, uh, 2020. There's FX headwinds, uh, just given a higher exchange rate on the U.S. dollar front. That also helped Q4 of 2020. And then obviously uh, on the retail side of the business, uh, we do have higher PGM costs. Throughout 2021, relative to the comparative period in 2020, so you know those are those are some of the items that uh, would probably push us a little bit lower uh, than than where we were in Q4 of 2020. But we still feel comfortable that the top end of our range is uh, is achievable.
6: I appreciate the color. And then just as we take a look out to 2022, you know FEI uh, propane pricing. Has been strong but we've seen a real catch up in in kind of north american propane benchmarks you know how are you looking at that exposure and maybe speak to kind of the potential to kind of you know move more butane over
4: uh, over propane in uh in that year yeah i mean i can uh, i can provide some co- comments and then uh maybe randy toon could jump in there too but i mean if you look at propane spreads throughout 2021 you know we've really started to see them strengthen Heading into Q4, and then when we look at the forward curve into into 2022, there's there, the FEI to Mount Bellevue spread is almost $10. Uh, so we do we do expect some strength there, and, and we will start to actively hedge some of that position heading into into 2022 as well. And for 21, we're already highly hedged, but we continue to layer in uh, hedge our, our hedging program above the 65% that we exited Q3 at, just given the strengthening in,
7: in the curve and this is uh, Randy Toon. We, you know, we know North American uh, LPG prices are high, especially heading into the into into the winter. So it all depends on what kind of winter North America has. But uh, FEI is always uh, they're also going into winter, and uh, we feel that the FEI will will strengthen as well, and uh, and that that mar- margin will be there. Yeah, I mean, from September 30th to probably yesterday, when I got the last report, we we have seen
4: the spread on on propane expand by about a dollar from an FEI to Mount Bellevue standpoint. Dollar barrel. Appreciate it. All right. Excellent.
5: Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from David Quisada from Raymond James. Please go ahead.
8: Yeah. Thanks. Uh, morning, everyone. Um, maybe a question on, on the utility
9: side of things. Um, could you discuss the commentary, uh, I guess, in the MDNA about just the the natural gas quality service standards, and uh, will, will there be any costs associated with um, uh, with the efforts there?
3: Sure. Hi, David. This is Randy. I'm, I'll let Blue address make some comments on that. But with respect to the uh, you know, service levels, uh, we've been working with our regulators and, and very proactive in our approach uh, to addressing. Um, some of the shortcomings of our uh, former service provider. And so we took very strong proactive actions and we're trending to uh, service levels that are at pre-pandemic levels. So we're, we're certainly <clears throat> addressing that uh, directly. Um, Blue, I'll let you go ahead and comment.
10: Yeah, thanks, Randy, and thanks,
3: David, for your question.
10: As Randy mentioned, we had been in regular communication with our, um, with our commissions all the way through as we were aggressively transitioning from our um, original service provider to the new one. So you know it, it's always tough to predict that we we don't expect it will be anything that looks like uh, in the read through on the request, but it's always hard to say but we we feel very good about where we are and where we're headed and good conversations along the way and we have weekly conversations with them, and they can see the progress so we're we're quite optimistic on where that where that lands
8: great, thank you for that that's that's helpful and then maybe just one more for me
9: the r and g project uh that you announced, just curious if there's any uh any color you can provide on like the capacity or the cost, uh, capital cost on that project, and and maybe some thoughts on what you think that uh, RNG could represent uh, on the utility side of your business longer
3: term. Look, I uh, this is Randy. I'm gonna let Blue um, make his comment, but you know we're still in the early days of executing the SG strategy, but we are preparing for the uh, lower carbon energy system of the future, and this is just the first step in the direction in our announcement today. Uh, and this going to be more, uh, and, uh, and we're going to continue to invest uh, in, in reducing our carbon emissions intensity, uh, which includes products to help our customers to do the same. Um, but, Bill, i let you comment specifically on the project.
10: Yeah, thanks, Randy.
3: Um, the scale of this one is not big.
10: Um, what it does provide is that first working relationship. As we uh, build out all of the uh, materials, so transfer stations, meters, gas quality analyzers, analyzers, pressure regulation, you know, SCADA systems, odorization equipment, all those things that come through that RNG process, working with a, uh, a, a very, uh, a very strong partner here, all of that gas stays in region. In fact, will be used uh, for generation uh, on site for that particular facility. So it's really a win-win for the region and for us and for uh, WSSC. Uh, as Randy mentioned, lots of other things going on in the hopper, so more to come. This one is really our dipping our toe in the water as we you know, design, build um, those facilities and get comfortable on how to handle those type of opportunities.
5: Excellent. Thank you for that. I'll get back in the queue. Your next question comes from Patrick Kenny
1: from National Bank. Please go ahead.
5: The new
11: Super Beats Hard Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for 4 dollars each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger less than five miles away or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply. See site for details.
11: Export license. Would you be looking to expand capacity at Rip and or Ferndale to accommodate that incremental 40,000 barrels a day? Um, what would that capital cost look like, the expected build multiple? And then from a timing perspective, you know when do you think you might receive regulatory approval and be in a position to um, have that incremental capacity in service?
3: Well, i this is Randy. I t- Randy Crawford um you know, a lot of exciting things happening uh, in our midstream business uh, and leveraging our export network uh, you know throughout and as i've mentioned in the past there's a t- significant opportunities uh, for low cost expansion opportunities as we continue to grow scale I couldn't be more proud of the team where they've used operations research digitization to really optimize the system uh, to move record volumes through this quarter uh, and we're being proactive in terms of uh, you know it, our licensing and move more products um, into both of those facilities so I think we'd be all optimistic about um, approval and I'll let Randy um, add some commentary
7: yeah so so the butane license like Randy says is, is this uh, kind of secures our future and, uh, to be able to, to export butane and right now we're exporting butane out of Ferndale around uh, 20 to 25,000 barrels a day uh, we do think that uh, we can uh, develop uh, an expansion out at Uh, Ridley Island with our partner, Uh, and the timing of that is is still uh, yet to to be determined, but uh, we think we'll have regulatory approval here uh, soon uh, with our partners, and and we can probably talk more about that in in the coming future.
5: Okay,
11: And, and you used the term proactive here to describe the application. I mean, perhaps you could just share some insights into the level of customer demand for this additional viewpoint butane export capability, um, you know, both from existing and prospective customers and perhaps, you know, which customers might be more inclined to support, you know, any capital investment needed um, upstream versus downstream?
3: Hi, Patrick. Great question. Um, We're seeing robust demand for our services in Asia um, uh, on both the butane and propane fronts. Um so that that's clearly is 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 a big you know opportunity as we continue to to demonstrate our ability to consistently deliver clean burning energy in to Asia. so I think what you'll be seeing as we look toward these expansion opportunities is to is that the direct market we're reaching back uh and and uh, and locking in longer term uh, agreements and so well we're we're certainly moving forward with producer push and some firm long term agreements with some of the larger producers uh, in in the basin um, to give them access to FDI pricing in global markets, Um, but we're really seeing robust demand on the the market side. Uh, And it goes to our strategy of reaching further with our ships, further upstream uh, with our customers.
11: A quick follow-up on the supply push comment there. Would, Would you need to expand any of your fractionation and liquids handling capabilities to support uh, the higher butane export volume I
3: think we we continue to to work toward you know touching the molecule throughout our integrated network and, and we look at opportunities to do that, uh, but clearly the basin is oversupplied uh, and that we can be able to move products at it, you know from a variety of of, of uh, customer locations uh, and so yeah, we would see expansion opportunities and we think that we'll talk a little bit more about that on the investor day but we source uh, product uh, you know, clearly from the Montany, uh, but also into the Balkan and such and through our customers. So tremendous opportunities uh, to be able to give access to our customers to premium global markets. It really is a differentiating factor for us.
5: Got it. Thanks for that. I'll, I'll jump back in the queue.
1: Your next question comes from Darius Lonzi from Bank of America. Please go ahead.
8: Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my question, and congratulations on the quarter. Just wanted to follow up on the capital shifts that you announced. Um, just curious, as we look at, ahead into next year, how should we think about the mix uh, between utilities and midstream? It sounds like perhaps it could be uh, even more weighted towards utilities than it is in 21. And related to that, um, around your 8% utility rate-based growth target, um, sh- should we be thinking about, as we look out ahead over the next couple of years, should we be thinking that that would be a sequential 8% or uh, could there be some variability in there perhaps from year to year?
4: Hey, Darius, it's uh, James here. So with respect to your, your first question, you know, I, I, the capital shift that we talked about or the reduction obviously that we, we discussed on the call was primarily driven, the, the lion's share of it was driven just by the uh, foreign exchange rate being lower relative to what we had set for the budget. So of the $60 million reduction, I'd say about $40 million of that was was FX-related. The balance was obviously us just shifting some midstream capital for turnarounds into early 2022 versus 2021. Um, That being said, I I don't anticipate that that would materially shift the proportion of capital that that we have earmarked in 2022 for utilities versus midstream. I I still think that that percentage is going to stay relatively stable as we head into 2022 Uh, with with respect to your your comments around growth rate I mean obviously uh, December 15th we're going to be sharing a lot more information in in terms of our rate-based growth over over the next little while but we would expect the the eight percent that we've cited in the past is a CAGR so you might see a little bit of variability but that's what we would average in terms of rate-based growth over the next four to five years
8: Excellent. Thank you. That's very helpful. And and if I can stick uh, with utilities for one more question, I think I heard at the the opening remarks um, and maybe just a point of clarification that you are on track to uh, exit 21 at at a run rate of achieving your authorized ROE um, at the WGL utilities specifically. But just maybe if you can clarify that and and maybe just talk about some of the efforts there on, uh, on, I know you discussed ARP, but also maybe on the OPEX side as well, if you could.
3: Sure. No, I, I, this is Randy, and I, as, as I said in the prepared remarks, we are on track uh, and we intend to earn our allowed returns. And I'll just give you some color on the opportunities ahead and uh, that we think that there's just continued, you know, focus on optimization across our utility business. You know, and that's what that's really what we do as a company is to look for those opportunities to bring efficiencies to the business. And of course, invest capital <clears throat> to take out costs and, and lower cost over time. And, one of the great ways that the utility is doing it is the con- continued execution of our ATRP program, because as you well know, that not only does that have you know, energy, clean energy benefits to reduced emission, but it lowers operating costs, which will be quite frankly a great offset to some of the inflationary pressures um, and keeping costs low you know, for our customers. So. Our teams are committed to that, the digitization, the improvement of process, reduction of activities, and the renovation and reinvention that's going on at our utility that Blue and his team are leading is very exciting. And as James had said, we'll we'll get into some more detail in our investor day, and we're looking forward to it. But I think you'll see that uh, they're well-positioned to continue the growth going forward.
8: Excellent. Thank you. I'll leave it there, and congrats again on the
5: quarter. Thank you. Appreciate it. Your next question
1: comes from Linda Everkalis from TD. Please go ahead.
12: Thank you. Um, Just want to get some more understanding of how you're thinking about uh, locking in some of the positive uh, pricing uh, that you're seeing in the forward markets as it relates not just to FEI spreads, but also your FRAC spreads. Can you talk about um, how your, uh, hedging approach might change if at all going into 2022 and the actual um, uh, levels uh, that you might have already locked in for 2022?
4: Yeah, Linda, it's, uh, it's James here. You know, obviously, uh, I think you touched on an important factor, which is uh, significantly higher frac spread heading into 2022 than, than what we've seen in 2021. So we've already been out there hedging uh, part of that and locking in that cash flow. I think we already addressed uh, how we're approaching FEI to Mount Bellevue, given where we see Cal 22 right now, and, and obviously on the freight side as well. And, and we've already started to lock in volumes. In terms of our approach, though, it's as we get visibility and, and certainty around uh, supply volumes as uh, as we get closer to 2022 that's where we start to, to layer in those hedges and, and protect those uh, those cash flows so we'll update obviously the markets as we move through uh, our reporting cycle with year end but we would also probably have a little bit of an update on, at our investor day in terms of how we're going to approach that going forward but, but typically what we want to wait and do is get some certainty around supply and then we'll, we'll go into the markets if, if we like where those spreads are to, to lock in those cash flows
12: Okay, that's helpful. And, and just in terms of tolling, uh, understanding that we'll probably get a more fulsome update at your investor day, but also can you just help us understand uh, what the sticking points might be uh, for producers to commit to either your base uh, capacity or potential expansions at RIPIT and um, when you might see some um, traction on that front?
3: Linda, this is Randy, thank you for the question. It's a good question and we are in constant discussions as the you know kind of consolidation that's gone on in the basin with our larger larger producer customers and and clearly i think uh you know as 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 the pricing uh and, and some of the uh, environment has improved. I think that's actually you know, looking toward longer term commitments for our producers is, uh, is something that, um, that we're having you know, pretty extensive discussions on. And as you alluded to, we're, we'll get into a bit more detail uh, in our investor day uh, about that. But I think that it's, uh, you know, the continued uh, execution by our team, which has been tremendous, uh, is, is encouraging uh, as well to, to our producer community. And so, you know, in terms of term and, and consistency, um, I think those are the types of things that are uh, driving uh, increased tolling, and it's a, it's a big driver for us. And I, and I also alluded to, Linda, that we're also seeing um, demand uh, from the market as well uh, for longer term and, and the ability to reach back. So I think as you look at our, us going forward as we continue to grow this business and de-risk the platform, you're going to see a combination of both producers uh, locking in longer term as well as the market.
12: Thank you, and uh, maybe while, just as a follow-up while we're on the topic of tolling and contracts, um, can you provide us with an update on Blythe and what the thoughts are at, uh, at what point and at what levels um, that facility might be recontracted, and how that, the attributes around and sort of um, commercial arrangements might differ from uh, what is in place currently?
3: Well, Linda, as, you, as I think you're aware, it, it's under a, a current tolling agreement for two more, I believe, right, two more years, uh, and that we're in discussions, uh, you know, to extend uh, that arrangement um, with the California Commission as well as um, Southern California. And, and so I think that, uh, again, the key drivers there is that's a very uh, critical asset uh, into the grid uh, in California. So, again, I don't want to run those negotiations, but but overall, I think you'll see a similar aspect of uh, of tolling uh, and for uh, like an extended term.
12: Thank you, I'll jump back in
5: the queue. Your next question comes from
1: Robert Kwan from RBC. Please go ahead.
5: Good morning. Um,
9: if I can just go back to, to guidance and James, you listed a number of things that you saw as headwinds year over year. I'm just wondering, what are you seeing in terms of, you know, all those things were already baked into the Q3 results other than uh, the, the $20 million hedge timing. Outside of that one piece, what, are you seeing anything to be you know, concerned or headwinds-wise just kind of rolling Q3 forward minus that hedge adjustment?
4: So when you say, and, and I just want to clarify, Robert, when you say rolling Q3 forward in terms of basically reducing the positive contribution from the hedge and, and. Uh, Having the same kind of results on the midstream platform, or, or just overall? Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Just yeah. On on the
9: midstream platform, you'd listed a bunch yeah. of other things, but I think you were just trying to frame for Q4, and I think almost all of those things
4: were were already baked into the, the Q3 number. Yeah. Yeah. So so I just so great question. If if you're just focusing uh, on on the midstream platform, I mean, obviously, the midstream platform moved 18 ships in in Q3, and, and part of that was uh, a bit of a spillover from ships that were. Q2 that's kind of slipped into Q3. I think it's, it, the capacity of the export facilities also increases in the summer months because we're able to move more product via pipeline out of the refineries into the Ferndale facility, which gives us the ability to move more export volume. So Q4, we don't expect to do 18 ships as a result of that. We're, we're now relying again on rail. We don't have that pipeline capacity because the refineries are using that. But we would be looking to do 13 to 14 ships in the quarter, which would put us on track for the expected ships that we had for the entire year. So that, that, that is another factor that, that you can't just extrapolate Q3 into Q4 on the midstream side.
9: Okay, that, that's fair. And then just on the utilities, um, FX will be like year over year with the seasonality it can make the most sense, but you got the FX offset by, or not offset, but you, and then on the positive side that you've got you no know, new rates slash rate base. Um, anything else, obviously weather can be a swing, but anything else risk to think about on the utility side for Q421.
4: Yeah, I mean you, you touched on one, it was it was weather, that's that's definitely a risk. But the other one that I touched on uh, in my response to an earlier question was just TGM charges on the retail side. They were uh, a lot lower in Q4 of 2020 versus what they've been averaging throughout 2021 and, and Q four. Is going to be a higher PGM charge on the retail business, so we will see some variability year over year as a result of that as well.
9: And, and can, you, can you quantify? Are you able to quantify what that year over year impact might look like? Yeah, I, I probably uh, in, in the neighborhood of uh, fifteen to eighteen million dollars. Okay, that's great. Thanks. Um, I guess just to finish uh, on just the NGL setup into twenty twenty two, and you touched on uh, hedges. Uh, I guess just first, are you able just to quantify what the realized losses um, on the frac spread hedges were this year? I.e., what should reverse out into 22, and then uh, the uncertainty on the volumes. Are there any early thoughts? I know the NGL year is a little bit far out to talk about, but um, what anything just on the upcoming
5: gas year and what extraction premiums you know might look like for 22 versus 21. Want to comment on that?
7: Sorry Robert it's, it's Randy Toon here. Um so you I can't comment on the frac hedge losses but as far as volumes go um you know we're very confident we'll have similar frac spread uh, barrels as as we did in in 21 is it is close to 10,000 barrels a day uh, and that will be similar for 22 Are you are you talking about export volumes? Uh well you got comments or both, but I
9: was Largely looking about what you think you can secure on on the frac spread uh, side of things, but if you've got comments as to what you might be seeing on the export volumes for 22, that'd be great too.
4: Yeah, so sorry, Robert, it's James again. So are you are you looking for what we've already locked in in terms of hedges for 22?
9: Well, actually, the hedging question was just trying to like um, how much money have you lost on the frac spread hedges here to date? Um, presumably, unless you've hedged again for twenty two well below market, that
5: stuff should all just reverse itself out if you've got similar volumes for next year So
4: I, I mean, if I understand your question, I think it, it, it was about you know five five to six dollars is what we had in in q three um, and and obviously, the frac spread heading into twenty twenty two is higher than than where we were. In hedged for pretty much the entire 2021 calendar year. So we are hedging right now well above the the $26 that we've been been enjoying uh, throughout 2021. I mean, we've seen crack spreads go out to about as high as $40. So right now we're probably averaging closer to the, the low 30s in terms of some of the hedges that we've executed for 2022.
9: Okay, I, I can okay. take that offline. I guess just Randy, though, um, on the extraction premiums, is there anything that we should should we be expecting a, a material uplift in extraction premiums in 22? Just given where frac spreads are. Uh,
7: no, we we from where we have our our extraction facilities, uh, this we won't be impacted by higher extraction premiums. I'm sure there will be, but uh, we're, it's not going to be material for us. Perfect. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from Ben Pan ben from BMO. Please go ahead.
13: Hi, thanks. Good morning. Uh, on on Wiggle and your comments around sheltering the the commodity price over the next few months, I'm I'm wondering if you can ma- maybe comment on what what percent of the commodity bill is uh, comprises the consumer bill. Uh, I'm also curious around is is there the outlegged impact between earnings and recovering that commodity price and, and cash flows and and also, can you comment on historical sensitivity consumers to these higher gas prices in the past?
3: I'll, I'll let Blue address that.
10: Yeah. Hi, Ben. So, a couple of comments. One of the things about um, both our Washington Gas and our Simcoe, uh utilities is about half of our flowing supply in the winter comes out of storage on a normal winter and that of course that that storage cost this year is materially lower than the winter strip so that that's that's a built-in protection for the customer base right out of the get-go in terms of what percentage is the commodity of the overall bill obviously that varies by jurisdiction remember for us the commodity is just a pass-through, right it's just a recovery so obviously you have a little bit of you have a little bit of risk on you know uh, on um, higher bills mean a higher level of of bad debt in collection and some of that but overall, we expect the bill to be up about 20% on an annualized basis due to commodity cost, all in, which is very consistent with what we're seeing nationwide. Um, in terms of sensitivity to colder weather, again, you know, you always get a little bit of um, of energy efficiency that comes. It would have to be materially colder uh, across the jurisdiction than what we've seen. We think have a big input impact on throughput. But th- those are kind of the data points, if that helps.
13: Yeah, it, it does and, and I was I was also curious more the the consumer sensitivity in, in the past. I mean we've we've seen low gas prices for, for some time, but it was a period of time where gas prices were, were quite elevated or consumers pushing back a lot at, at that time. Uh, uh and and also it it sounds like there's there's not really a huge leg like, impact. I mean recovery you recover your commodity Price uh, quite quickly. It, it's not a deferral mechanism where you recover over the next couple of years.
10: That's correct. Yeah, that's right on on the commodity recovery. That's right.
13: Okay, and and, and maybe the the consumer side of things. I mean, maybe not comment comment in historical, but are you hearing or expecting any pushbacks on this 20% increase?
10: No, I, well, I mean, none of us like higher bills, right? So um, the good news is, I don't know, that maybe that's the wrong term, The it's well covered in both the regional and national press in terms of energy prices across the country. And so it, it, it's not a surprise. We, we too, of course, put out uh, information and press releases to our consumers so they can plan accordingly. We also have energy efficiency programs, and we offer, you know, we'll help them you know, winterize their home, do some of those things, uh, point them to uh, energy assistance funds and those type of things. And so we, we're we very public about that opportunity as well. You know, the other thing that we, that we talk about that I think is understood, may not be understood at the individual consumer level, but it's certainly understood at the commission level, is while natural gas prices are up, so is every other commodity. And when you look at the cost of actually heating a home for the winter, natural gas is still the lowest cost option compared to the other alternatives, which obviously include electric, you know, home heating, oil, propane, et cetera. It's still materially cheaper against all of those. So, you know, those things are all, those things are all balancing points when we have those conversations at both the commissions and the consumer level. All right, that's
5: great. That's very helpful. Your next question comes from Andrew Kuske from Credit Suisse.
1: Please go ahead.
14: Thanks. Good morning. I uh, guess the question is for Randy and it's more of a strategic bent and it's really looking at the big picture perspective of you know the turnaround that you've already gone partway through, maybe not fully there for restoring all the value in the company. But when you look at the utility business where you still have some ROE restoration, some CapEx catch up and some other stuff going on, and then the lumpiness on the midstream side where you've had some incremental capital got deployed, you know, big step ups in, in EBITDA contributions, and then overall deleveraging of the company. Like how, do we, how do you think about just pace of growth and strategic positioning for AltaGas overall with the business mix that you have and just some of those underlying issues associated with the differences of the business?
3: Yeah, no, thank you for the question, Andrew. I appreciate it. Look, as I've stated in the past, we remain focused on operating our long live infrastructure assets, right? We're committed to our long-term strategy, in building a diversified utility and, midstream business, and, and when I came here in December of 18, I talked about the restructuring, as you pointed out, and the enviable uh, opportunity for growth uh, that I felt for our company, and, and I would tell you that our diversified model and strategy is working. can see it in our performance and our operational uh, results as well as our performance uh, in our stock price. So, I think that uh, you know, as we sit here today, we, we, we're going to continue to remain focused on executing our strategy, uh, de-risking, de-leveraging, and optimizing. Um, the um, immense upside that we have in, in both businesses uh, and so at this point that's our primary focus uh, and i think it, it's working
14: uh, uh, appreciate that and then i, I guess if we sort of look back at rip it in particular and then what you've done with ferndale thus far you know, you clearly ripped it. there are some questions on that in the beginning very validated you can see that in your results do you think about the capital going towards that export oriented business in say the next three to five years maybe accelerating and being able to be done faster than the past because of the validation of the strategy and just the outlook for the commodity in Western Canada.
3: Well, no, thank you for that. And I I, I completely concur. I'd be more excited about the opportunities that we uh, have in front of us and what we've demonstrated, um, Randy and his team. We're fast becoming an energy logistics and export company um, and, The team has done an outstanding job um, to validate that model going forward. In terms of your question uh, in the next few years, uh, yes, I think you're going to see us continue to invest in increasing the scale of this business uh, and locking in longer-term contracts with customers, both on Asia and beyond. And so I I think that you'll see that continue to accelerate. And we'll talk a little bit more, obviously, uh, in the uh, upcoming investor day. Um, But, yes, uh, credit to the team. Uh, But, again, I think the future – is about moving this uh, cleaner energy and fuels uh, to Asia uh, out of this um, tremendous Montanee Basin. and I think that we're also – there's tremendous option value as you look ahead toward alternative fuels, Um, and as we continue to move the cleaner LPG fuels uh, into the future, uh, we think we're well positioned uh, through our ports and access to to move the fuels of the future as well. So, again, we're going to continue to invest, uh, increase that scale. Uh, and I think we're going to drive real value. I know we are to our customers uh into Canada as well. Okay. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Your last question comes from Robert Tellia from CIBC. Please go ahead.
15: Yeah, Rob Katellia, CIBC. Um, I just wondered if you could um, elaborate on the comments you had in the MDNA about the pace of activity recovery, uh, specifically. Um, uh, the impact of the interim resolution between the government of BC and the Blueberry River First Nation, and maybe you could all, also talk about the relatively modest uh, stated drilling intentions from the uh, major producers um, and
3: the BC uh, royalty review as well. Thanks for the call. I'll let Randy address you uh, specifically with the Blueberry River.
7: Uh, hi, Robert. Uh, yeah. So the uh, the you know we've always had a very collaborative and strong relationship with the Treaty 8 First Nation members and and when we look at development we've always took a a balance between environmental and uh, with economic uh, needs and when you look at the Treaty 8 uh, and what they've publicly talked about was that they're not they're not they don't want to stop development Um, they want a say in development and I think AltaGas has always worked collaboratively with them to give them a say in how we develop and so, you know, we're encouraged by some of the discussions they're having with the BC government, and we think that they're going to come up with a uh, process going forward that will will continue to have development because, you know, that that, that resource is so uh, so valuable. And when we look at our customers, you know, a lot of our customers have been proactive and they they already have permits in place, and and some of our customers are not slowing down. And so uh, we do still think that that resource is going to be developed, developed, and we think that we're in a good spot. To work with our customers to, to help develop it
15: and uh, just the, the royalty review um, too early to tell I know but any indications of that uh, causing any uh, variability in drilling attention
7: uh, well what we know about the royalty review is that they you know they're taking a look at the process uh and seeing if they uh they can make it simpler Uh, and i do what we know is that they they're looking quite a bit at the alberta uh royalty process and you know we're very familiar with that and so we're not we're not worried that it's going to have a huge impact on on say development in that area
15: okay and uh i know quite early days but uh, there's an update to the bc climate plan and i wondered if you see any impact on that uh Your business specifically uh, methane emission targets and requirements, there. And uh, also, there's some indications that the new projects have have to have enforceable plans to meet net zero 2050. Um, Do you see any any immediate impact that you can uh, talk to with respect to how you might develop the midstream business there?
7: Yeah, we've we've uh, we took a look at the the BC's uh, new climate plan, and, and you know, when we look at our facilities, we are we're always looking at uh, uh, reducing our carbon footprint, and so we are looking at electrification of our facilities or carbon capture, um, and working with our customers to to do that. Um, and you know, we just don't think that that's going to slow down anything. It's just going to change the way uh, we might develop.
15: Okay, sorry. Yeah. Last question for me. Yeah, I wondered if you could. Uh, There's a couple comments about growth in uh, Gene A, both in the utilities and in the corporate sector. So I mean, I wonder if you could, you know, attribute that uh, between just the, the growth you're seeing as an enterprise and the effects of inflation.
3: Yeah, I think the, the growth is, you know, in. And, Gina, and, and, and others, is, 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 is to a large extent, this quarter related to accruals uh, around long-term incentive. But, but overall, I think the growth in, in the cost is consistent with the growth in the business. And, uh, and, and, we, and I think the team's done an excellent job of managing you know, its cost and implementing the digitization and the technology for productivity overall. And I think that's generally, uh, you know, in this quarter, it's particularly related to, to the long-term incentive plans. Okay, fantastic. Thank you.
1: This concludes the Q&A portion of today's call. I will now like to turn the call back over to Mr. McKnight.
2: Thanks, Kelsey, and thank you, everyone, and once again, for joining our call today and for your interest in Altagas. And as a reminder, uh, the Al- investor relations team will be available after the call for any follow-up questions that you might have. That concludes our call this morning, and I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their day. You may now disconnect your phone lines.